Take my lips, O Lord, and speak through them. Take our ears and hear through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. In Christ's name, amen. I'm very interested in two important characters who occur today, David and Paul. And on one level, they make me very nervous because there's so much, I got this phrase from Jim Carroll, there's so much bad religion that can come out of this. Really bad religion. David, let's start with David. We read, and David became greater and greater for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. David, the greatest king Israel ever had, the chosen one, anointed by Samuel in God's name, chosen over his older brothers, the one who kills the giant Goliath, the great warrior, and the sweet singer of songs. Great stories, definitely great stories. But what's the deal? We know that God is with him because he keeps slaughtering his enemies and expanding the territory of Israel. Is that it? God is with the warrior? God is with the one who wins? Is this kind of primitive? God beats our enemies? If not, either God's not there, or their God's better, or we've really messed up, and there better be a bit of groveling, acknowledgement of our wretchedness, or maybe, this part is always fun, blaming someone else whose sins are perhaps slightly different than our own. Bad religion, I would say. God was with David. David, aside from being a warrior, had some of his own, shall we say, flaws. How many of you remember the story of Bathsheba? There's another great soap opera. David is on the roof of his palace in the cool of the evening when he spots a lovely woman bathing on the roof of her house. Being king, and I keep thinking of that movie, it's great to be king. But anyway, being king, he can do what he wants. So he sends for her. And sure enough, they have an affair. Except, unfortunately, for all concerns, she's married. And she gets pregnant. And he's getting a little nervous about this, so he sends for her husband, hoping that things will proceed and he can maybe convince the husband that the baby is his. The husband's very virtuous, and since he's a soldier fighting for God, he's not going to sleep with his wife, so that plan doesn't work. He sends the husband, Uriah by name, back into the battle and tells the commander to put him on the front lines so he'll definitely get killed, and he does. And then he marries Bathsheba. I think it was wife number 14, something like that. God was with David? Hello? Hello? Okay, hold these thoughts. Paul. Now, you know, I feel like Paul and I have had a little fight or a big fight for decades now. My default position is to say I don't like Paul. I must admit there's more to it than that. But let me at least get out some of it. My biggest problem with Paul, who seems to have been quite the prickly person, is that he's always the one used to beat up on other people. He's the 
the one who is quoted when we are anti-woman. 1 Corinthians, women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be subordinate. If there is anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home. Okay. He's also, shall we say, a bit uncomfortable with sex. It's led theologians and historians over the centuries to do a lot of speculation about his own life, but basically what he is telling us in Romans is it's really better, quote, it is well for a man not to touch a woman. But he goes on to say, if you must, if you absolutely must get married, it is better to marry than to burn. Thanks, Paul. That's really helped the church get, and this is part of the bad religion, get a reputation for being anti-sex. Sex is bad. Not in the church. Out. Not really, I think, a way to honor God's great gift of sexuality and creativity. However, and then there are, of course, those passages that are quoted about homosexuality, particularly from Romans. Now, next time you have 45 minutes to an hour to spare, let's do a Bible study on this. Uh, because Paul does talk about degrading passions. And I don't have the time to go into it now. Suffice it to say that I don't believe this is helpful or applicable when we talk about sexual orientation today. He was so much a man of his own time, so much a Jew over against the pagans, so much a first century person without an understanding, as we would see it, of sexual orientation. But there it is. So there are passages used to beat up people. And then, of course, we have these moments like today's passage, which really makes me laugh. He starts off, I know a person, who could that be? I know a person, on behalf of such a one, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me. Oh yeah, Paul, thanks. I'm boasting. Not really, but I could if I wanted to, because I have something to boast about, but I wouldn't dream of doing it, because I'm really humble. Thanks. He drives me crazy. He's so easy to take pot shots at. Is God Paul? Look at all those letters of Paul that we are reading. Having said all that, let's turn from the kind of bad religion that wants to take God as the one who will beat up our enemies for us, or wants to take God as the one who is going to be judgmental in the extreme and allow us to be judgmental about others. Let's move away from that and look at both David and Paul a little bit again. I really do see God at work in David. Flawed, for sure. A military man in a military age, yes. A man who, I would not say, let's just put it this way, he was not a feminist. True, he was of his time. But look at him. He was indeed a singer of sweet songs. 
The Psalms are attributed to him, all 150. And although it's highly unlikely that they were all written by him, perhaps a few were. And in the Psalms, we find every human emotion that we know. Love and desire and hate, despair, sadness, lust, anger, tranquility, hope, and faith. They're all there. Do you want to find a way to put into prayer something you're feeling? Anything you're feeling? Go to the Psalms. Sing those songs and give them to God. And that, I think, is what David did. I also see God in David, and now I'm getting a jump on next week's lesson. Sorry, Mary, but she'll be preaching next week. David dancing before the Lord. This is one of my favorite scenes in all of Scripture. He brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. There's a great celebration. The wine is flowing freely, and he takes off almost all his clothes and starts this wonderful dance. He is exhilarated. He is abandoned. He is having the best time. It is full of delight. His wife is full of sniffy disapproval, but he is dancing before the Lord with all his heart. I love that David. And I see the joy he had in God, and I feel God's joy when I read about that. And most of all, I see God and David when I understand what happened next in the Bathsheba story. He repented. He heard the prophet Nathan who told him that he had done wrong. And he repented. How many kings, how many people with absolute power say they are sorry and they've done wrong? Very, very few. Power usually precludes that, as the powerful do what they want. David had the grace to understand he had done wrong and to repent. I see God in that. And I see God in Paul, who after all may well have been responsible for the survival of Christianity. He's the one who took the good news from this tiny little offshoot of Judaism and spread it around the Roman Empire. His passion, his zeal, his endurance, his creativity and his intelligence all put to use to spread this. He may have been prickly, he definitely was flawed, he had his own ideas, but wow, did he go. He went all over and talked to everyone. And you know, here's the other thing about Paul. For all that you can pull out those passages about women or any other group you care to name, listen to what he says in Galatians. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. He saw it. He knew it. No longer do these make any difference at all. He knew that. And shortly before he comes out with his not-so-great words about women keeping silent, which clearly I am disobeying, shortly before that, just 20 verses before that, we have that wonderful chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. 
He begins, I will show you a still more excellent way. If I do not have love, I am nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Let us think of David and Paul both, with one foot firmly planted in their own day and age, with the prejudices of that day and age, and one foot firmly planted in the kingdom of God. They saw, they knew, God's grace and God's love and God's power. And even when their own biases and prejudices and weaknesses and flaws got in the way, they stayed open to that grace and power and were able to transmit it to others so that down through the centuries, we hear Paul's ringing words about love and about our oneness in Christ. And we see David's absolute joy in God, the God of Israel. Let us remember that we are firmly of our own day and age. I'd like to think I had only one foot planted in the 21st century, but it might be one and three quarters. I'd like to think at least some was in the kingdom of God because we know these things, because they have been passed on to us as truth. And we know, don't we, that God is love, that every single solitary one of us is beloved of God and equal in the sight of God and should be beloved of each other and equal in the sight of each other. We know that. And when our own biases and flaws and weaknesses and propensity to boast or whatever get in the way, God grant us the grace granted to David and to Paul to see it, to acknowledge it, and to return to the bigger truths. My friends, the good news, the really good news, is that God's love and God's care and God's power and God's grace are for you and me as they were for David and Paul. Not for people who are better, or who have gotten their act together, or are more pious, or whatever. You and me. You and me. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And I would hope, most of all, that God would use us to show God's love and power as David and Paul did. And that we would dance together with wild abandon and great joy in the presence of the God who has loved us into being and will love us into eternity. Good religion is about joy. Bad religion is about power and judgmentalism and hate. I'd rather dance than judge. Amen.